Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Monday afternoon. Away we go on a brand new week. Lots of chat to come over the next couple of hours and more besides. But we start today with Ukraine and the war there. Day 40 and no end in sight. My first guest on the show today is from Kiev, uh, and she had to leave there with just her suitcase and her pet dog. Make her way across Europe and she's now safe, staying at Glengat Guest House, the beautiful Glengat Guest House in Dundalk, along with others from the Ukraine as well. I'm delighted to say hello on the show this afternoon to Valeria Cheyeske-Price. Hello, Valeria. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Tell us a bit about yourself. You're a performer. You were with Cirque du Soleil for, what, 10 years and other major European shows. Yes, yes, exactly. So I started acrobatic when I was two, so I'm already for more than 30 years an acrobat. And yes, I spent pretty much like 10 years at the Cirque du Soleil performing all over the world. And you're from Kiev, and recently, were you back home living in Kiev, travelling to perform before the war? Was that it? Uh, yeah, I've, I have been in Kiev, so it, um, I stayed in Kiev pretty much after COVID started. So I was there, there was no show, so for all the performers, it was a hard time, you know, we had no yeah. job, no nothing. So yeah, I stayed in Kiev, and then the word working yeah okay so you had to deal with the pandemic and no performances as you said god almighty like so many in the artistic world you were curtailed kiev beautiful city home you love the place Yes, Kiev is a wonderful, wonderful city. We love it so much. Now it's been destroyed a lot, but I really hope that soon we're all going to manage to renovate it and it's going to look the same beautiful as before. Please, God, you will get back there sooner rather than later. When did you actually decide to leave? How how, uh, many days was the war on and you just decided, can't stay here, got to get out? Yeah, I actually uh, stayed for a while in Kiev, in Ukraine. I was believing inside, you know, somewhere inside myself, like, okay, maybe it's going to be over, maybe it's going to finish, so I'm going to stay here. But when uh, the building next to my house, the rocket hit the building, this is when I realized that that could have been my building, that could have been me dead today. So I have to leave and I have to save my life. I have to grab my dog and wherever it will take, I need to leave the country. Yeah, I want to stay alive. This is what a lot of other people did as well. So you were 
so lucky and other people were unlucky that the, the building next door was destroyed uh, yes. by uh, an, an a explosion. Lot the, a lot of the buildings actually, like where civilians live, been destroyed in Kiev. A lot of people dead. Mm. So, you know, we're seeing awful images this last 24 hours. You're probably watching them yourself where yes, Russian troops have horrible. pulled back. This is horror. Yes, mm. what's happening in city Bucha right now, this is like, this is really horror. Like, it's like a nightmare. I can't watch, I can't like even listen any news about it. Like the people are like hundreds of people lying lifeless on the ground, on the streets with their hands tied behind their back and they've been shot in the back of their head. The children dead this Russian army raping our woman, like, they robbing our houses, like, I don't understand why would they perform such a horror in our homeland. Like, I'm, I'm speechless about this. And you were once part of the USSR. Ukraine was part of it until the... Exactly. I was born in the USSR. Yes. Mm. This must be very hard to accept for an awful lot of people because there are very close ties, families between Ukraine and Russia. Yes, exactly, exactly. They've been like our brothers, right? So, of course, I do have a family in Russia. A lot of Russian people do have a family in Ukraine. Of course, we've like been brothers all the time. I have no idea what happened, but this had to stop. It went like really way too far. And we do need to start to speak about it. A lot of people have no idea what really happening in Ukraine. And this is really, really scary stuff is going on there. People need to know and people need to start to talk about it. You know that Moscow are saying today that a lot of this is fake news. This uh, term started by Donald Trump on the other side of the world, that this is all fake, that what's been shown is not really happening. Are you hearing this? You understand what's been said in Russia? Yeah, well, I understand what's been said in Russia, and it's totally fake. So, uh, well, now, luckily, you can watch Ukrainian news. There's a lot mm. of uh, press in Ukraine from all over the Europe, so you can easily, you know, watch wherever any, any European news, and you will see what's happening. You can see the photographs, you can see videos, and you can get information from her firsthand. For example, like from me, we have a lot of Ukrainian, like about 20 people here. All of them have a different story. A lot of them lost their friends, some family related, you know, so basically from the firsthand, yes, you can hear some stories as well. Yes, you have, uh, there are over 20 people I know staying with you there at Glengat. Children, yes. children have been killed. There's there somebody there which was telling you the story of children on a football pitch. Yes, yes, exactly. So we have one lady, Elena, she's uh, living here with us. She's a medic. So she works at the hospital and uh, a lot of kids been hiding at the bomb shelter at the hospital. So at some day they just wanted to go play football at the football field and it was actually mine, but they didn't know. So all of these children, about um, 10, 12 children, they lost all their legs. And they were not able to save them. So when she saw it, she cried so much. She couldn't, like, believe what happened. So she just, uh, what, at that time, she's from Mariupol. So the famous city when, you know, mm. a, a lot of bad stuff happened. So she just left the city. She could leave the city at that time. Uh, and she realized only when she crossed the entire Europe, she realized that she was still wearing her uh, doctor uniform. She was that shocked and stressed. She was like covered in all this blood and wearing this uniform. So she crossed entire Europe by train and bus, whatever, uh, and wearing her uniform. And then she changed when she just realized after a week or so. This is horrible. This 
post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, it is horrible. Like, I don't understand why, like, why they perform in such a horror. They're killing the kids. We had a theater as well full of kids hiding there in the shelter. And, um, uh, you know, um, the, the people with the white paint, they put on the grass the big sign, kids. So the Russian army know that there's kids hiding. So what they did, of course, they bombed it. Like, why? Why would you do such a thing? You know there is a kid. Mm. This is ridiculous. I don't understand, and I will never understand. I never, I'm this kind of positive and optimistic person. I never say bad about anything, but this is something we will never forgive. Like, mm. you come to our land, and you killing our people, like, for nothing. You mentioned the word rape there, and I was reading extensively about it in the press over the weekend. Rape is a facet of war, and it's happening widespread. Well, this this is horrible. What what happened? Like this is now nonstop happening in Bucha. They raping the woman. There's a lot of naked bodies on the street, and uh, there is a story that I'm I've read on the news that they've been raping like a lot of men been raping one lady for like four or five days in front of or four years old child, and then they kill the woman. So like I don't even want to imagine like what kind of life these kids will have with such a memories, what mm. kind of trauma, like, I mean, why would you do such a thing? What kind of monster you have to be? What's going on in your head that you will think this is normal to rape the woman and in front of the kid? Even like, I don't understand. I have no words about it. And then they, they rob in the houses. All the bodies of the naked women, they all have blood on their ears because they're stealing the earrings. Like, mm. seriously, you're going to bring these earrings home to your woman? How she's going to be wearing, like, what do you think about it's incredible the depravity that you described there. Tell us about your uh, your journey to Ireland. Ten days you were travelling. How did you end up here? Yes, so basically, uh, because I have an English bulldog, and uh, people that are familiar with this breed, they know that um, it's really hard to travel with them. They're always out of breath. They cannot be cold or cannot be hot. So, And I knew, of course, I'm not going to leave my dog at home. So I always had to move by the ground. So it's the bus, and then there had to be the trains. So I went from Kiev to Lvov, which is on the border pretty much with Poland. Then I crossed the border. Uh, I stayed there in the, uh, in the shelter for Ukrainians over the night. Uh, then I went to Warsaw. From Warsaw, I had to go by train to Berlin, then to Paris, then to Cherbourg, and then uh, and then I took the ferry to uh, to Dublin. So it, it was a quite a long journey. We had to sometimes sleep in the train stations. We had to sometimes spend the night uh, with um, my, at my friend's house because, well, I worked in Cirque du Soleil. I do have a lot of, luckily, I do have a lot of friends uh, all over the world. So I had a place to stay some, sometimes. And, yeah, only by train because with the English bulldog, you can't really fly. Mm. Uh, they, they have these uh, problems with breathing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, now time a lot of airlines they did, just don't take dogs, so we had to move by the train and then the ferry, and then finally here. Yes, and uh, we save here. We're really thankful for Glengar Guest House. These people are fantastic here. The place is wonderful, beautiful. Uh, they give us amazing food. They look after us and. Uh, Wherever even some uh, questions, wherever help we need, they always, always help us. We're so lucky uh, that they have us here and that they, uh, they're looking after us. Oh, Thank that's you great. So much to yeah. yeah, that's great to hear that you feel safe at last. What about back home? Are you in touch with anybody there? 
Yes, I'm in touch. Well, all our men are in Ukraine. Cousins, uh, brothers, um, husbands, wherever, friends, all men. They're not allowed to leave Ukraine. They have to stay there from 16 years old to 60. So they all stay in there. Uh, they have to protect our land. So I do have my uh, partner from Acrobatic. His name uh, Mikhail. Uh, yes, I really hope that uh, soon it will all finish and we can continue perform together. Uh, we stay in touch with our families and friends. We pray every day that it's all going to be over. Yes, and of course we want to come back. Of course, we didn't run away because we sometimes we've seen some people, not very nice people, that uh, saying to us, "Oh, you Ukrainians, you just run away from your country because you're looking for a better life." No, we were absolutely fine and happy in our country. We run away because we want to leave. We don't want to die. So, of course, when we're going to be finished, we all want to go back to see our families, to be with our loved ones, and continue living like we've been living before. And I'd say you reflect, uh, Valeria. The the Valeria the whole uh, mindset that of most of the people the majority who've come to Ireland and other countries you want to go home you want to be back in the life and living the life you know of course of course. Yes, of course, we all want to go home. That, that, that's the thing. But for now, uh, thank you so much uh, for Irish people, for Ireland. You have us here to give us protection, to look after us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, look, it's nice, really kind of you to say that. What do you plan while you're here? What do you, I know you've been working, uh, and I know with Helena there and all the people at Glengat, they've been helping you and all the local uh, administration and local government and government in general are, are doing their best to look after you with PPS numbers, get you sorted here. Yeah. Would you like to work here for the time you're here? Of course, why not? For uh, for people, well, especially I'm going to talk about myself, but I know as well the other people that uh, doesn't have a small children that they can um, work as well. So yeah, of course we do want to be helpful. We do want to work. Uh, like talking about myself as a performer, as an athlete, right? An acrobat. Of course, I can easily work at the gym. I can easy, you know, work at some fitness club or something yes. like that. Yes, of course. Well, I I'm not scared of any work. I can do any job. So. Whatever I can help with, I'm open and I'm going to be going and doing it. So that's not a problem at all. Good on you. Great to hear again. Now, looking at your country and the resistance that Ukraine has put up against the might of Russia and the leadership of your uh, Prime Minister Zelensky, you must be very proud. Yes, I'm very proud. We do have a very brave president. We do have very brave army. And I'm very, very proud of them. And as well, our president, like in the past, he was a comic, right? He was a performer. And he became a president after all that. And I'm double proud of him. Like, uh, it's it's crazy how he is looking after Every like you feel when he's talking and when he's doing something for Ukraine, we feel like he's really uh, looking after every niche uh, Ukrainian person. You know, like super, mm. super close to everyone. Yeah, you've wonderful English, may I say? That must come from your time in Cirque du Soleil and traveling around Europe, does it? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes, I had to learn it, of course, to communicate. Yeah. And you're, you're obviously useful to others who may not have much English or are starting to learn the language as well that are living there with you. Yeah, well, I'm helping them. Yep. Yeah, sometimes I need to translate something, but uh, as well, I'm telling them, you guys need to start to speak English by yourself. So they, now they all sign up uh, for English classes, and I really hope soon they're going to be starting to speak English as well. But yeah, I do help them, support them wherever they need. 
Finally, before I let you go, uh, Ireland has opened its doors to as many as possible to come from the Ukraine and many other European countries have as well, especially the neighbouring countries. What's uh, going on is remarkable, I have to say. Do, Do you feel Europe and America could do more to help Ukraine? Well, yes, of course, it's always can be done more, but um, you know it's hard to say what needs to be done for this war to finish, and uh, mm. I don't know. Uh, I think if every country in the world will ban Russian gas, that will be good. That will work so well. <laughs> uh, yeah, and as well as I said in the beginning, that uh, the people need to start to talk. People need to, yeah. Uh, yeah, people need to speak up as well. And if I can just leave the little message while uh, while we're talking with you, because when we arrived here, we didn't really have any um, like volunteers to come and help. So only the guys from Glen got be helping us like yes. so much. So if anyone who can hear this message if you do have some clothes for kids or anything for school that can be useful you can just bring it over send it to the uh, Glengat guest house because we do have some uh, Ukrainian guys here that pretty much have nothing on them okay. like like nothing Okay, well, we hear what you're saying. Glen Gat Guesthouse, well-known landmark in Dundalk. There are almost 30 people there from the Ukraine, along with Valeria. And if you can help at all and you're in the area, you're listening to us today, clothing would be appreciated. Thank you so much for joining me. I wish you you well. Thank you so much. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Valeria there. Chieske Price, a performer, uh, an acrobat with Cirque du Soleil for over 10 years and many other big shows in Europe who's with us at the moment. Temporarily, she wants to go home. You hear her there clearly. And uh, what's going on and being reported on the ground over the weekend is simply, oh, it's just shocking. War crimes. That's what it is. War crimes. I promise you won't want to miss Sarah Carey coming up with me after two o'clock on the show. She has a simple solution to the energy crisis. And this will work. I guarantee this will work for everybody out there. Don't miss her coming up on late lunch after two. Question for you. Anybody spot, I ask it this time every year, a swallow or a house or San Martin. You won't see the swifts, they're too high in the sky. Anyone seen a swallow? or a Martin, a house or San Martin in the last few days. I haven't spotted them yet. No, I haven't been out and about much. Have you seen them in your area? Any sign of our visitors from Africa or some of our visitors? Following my interview with Valeria Top of the show, a lovely message there from a listener telling me or saying to me, Ah, oh, Jerry, it's heartwarming to hear... It's Sorry, let me say that again. It's heart-wrenching to hear what's going on in Buka. Heartwarming to listen to Valeria. No humanity at all on the ground in Buka. My thoughts and prayers are with the Ukrainians. We just have to keep doing our bit. One person might not achieve much, but collectively we can ease the burden of any of those we meet. Well said. Here, here, I say to that. I was asking you about swallows or the martins or uh, visitors from Africa. Anybody spot them yet? I'm probably a bit early asking the question with the cold weather because I had messages back from just outside Kells, uh, north of Dundalk and in Drogheda uh, to say, no sign yet, Jerry. Anybody see a swallow or a martin or if you like to call them swifts or whatever, you won't see them, they're too high in the sky. If you did, let me know. 86 by WhatsApp or text. Now, I love reading her columns in the Irish Independent. She's thought-provoking. She'll annoy you at times. She'll make you think. But the weekend, I have to say, on Saturday, Sarah Carey, I am still laughing. Welcome back to the show. 
Thank you for having me, Jerry. It's always a pleasure. Well, I'm going to tell them why I'm still laughing because you see, Sarah has been writing about the energy crisis and a very balanced column, I have to say, Sarah, because you say the government can't do everything. And let's be fair, you say we can do an awful lot ourselves. But when I just read that line that said you took the head off the electric shower Sarah come on desperate times desperate measures I kept telling them I kept warning them stop using the electric shower and they wouldn't listen to me so I took it off (laughs) and that was it it's locked up and if they want the electric shower, they have to come to me and say why it is they have to have an electric shower. So. <laughs> well, Sarah, I was just laughing, thinking, because my daughter, Sarah, she'll kill me for saying this. But when Sarah used to get in the shower, same name as yourself, Sarah, uh, you could just uh, set your watch and probably nearly a half an hour would go by before Ooh. she'd leave it. And I presume that's your experience of longevity in showers. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, and I fellas and you do wonder what they're doing in there. So one of them sets up his music and everything and settles in for a nice, luxurious shower. But what was bugging me, Jerry, was there was already hot water. Like we've all fired central heating. I'm sure a lot of people do. So when I'm generous enough to allow the heat to go on in the house, it also heats water. So there was already hot water that they could have used in the other shower. And um, and they weren't. They were just being lazy because they just liked the electric shower. So, you know, I'm not against hygiene. It's just, uh, can we have a more economic way of achieving that? And then the other thing that surprised me is, you know, I don't have girls. I have teenage boys. I was kind of half expecting to have to beat fellas into the shower, you know, that they wouldn't really be into washing themselves. But they never stop. Mm. So um, I was saying in the column that when I don't like admitting my age now, Jerry, I have to admit, but unfortunately, I do remember the 70s and I do remember the 80s when a lot of your listeners will remember um, far greater um, energy crises than this. Mm. And... um, you know, heating water was always a big deal. You know, you had to light a fire or God forbid you'd be let use the immersion. <laughs> and um, we had what we called a bird bath, although there's a more indelicate name for it. Um, a cousin of mine calls it the whore's wash. And um, you just stand at the hand basin and, you know, put a bit of water into the hand basin. You could wash yourself that way. And it yes. was grand. It will, I'm just not sure why we need all these showers. Well, all. you know, I th- that's another one. You know, the board bath. We called it top and tail here. Oh, yes. You know, yes. so and, and I mentioned this one day before on the show and people were horrified to think that you wouldn't shower every day. But it is my contention that you do not need to shower every day. You don't. And Jerry, I don't. Yes. So, <laughs> Good on you. I haven't had any complaints. So, I don't know, I think people just got into this habit of it and um, and I don't think we need it. And and I can tell you that the prices will keep going up and the mm. crisis is going to get greater because either we'll have to shut off the Russian gas or Putin will shut it off for us. Mm. So, and it's going to take a while to ramp up all the renewable um, sources of energy. So we're all going to have to use less energy. We just mm. are and mm. get and go back to those days, you know, when we knew yes. all the little tricks. About and, and one thing, Jerry, is I think it's important about attitude. And I said this in the column, you don't necessarily have to see this as deprivation, that this is a mm. terrible thing that's happened to you. You know, people use this word empowerment. And to be honest, it's really oversold. And I especially find with women, it's used when someone's trying to sell you a tongue or something ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but we actually are empowered, yes. you know, to take control of our lives and of our houses and decide what's a solution and what really is a problem. And putting on a jumper is a solution.
It you is, know. of course. And, you know, yeah. I've seen others uh, expressing this view at the weekend. Kira Kelly in her yes. uh, column yes. as well was saying, do you know what? I'm just putting on an extra jumper here and we, we'll keep equally as warm. And, you know, you're right. We lost the run of ourselves, didn't we? Uh, yeah, but also, you know, with the climate change um, yeah. crisis, you know, even if the prices weren't going up, you know, there are proposals mm. to put carbon tax on fossil fuels precisely in order to make it more expensive so that we do think about using less energy. So if this crisis hadn't come about over the war in Ukraine, it would have had to have been artificially created yes. in order to force us into using less energy. It's the same with the price of petrol and diesel. You know, mm. that extra taxes were going on that, like you would on cigarettes, to mm. try to persuade us not to use it. So there are a lot of different reasons for us all to take a really good hard look, you know, at the energy that yes. we use. And, and I know, and, and I said this in the column as well, there are a lot of people who are already watching those bills and have been and are on fixed incomes. And this is not news to them yeah. that you have to uh, look at your bills. But there are a lot of people, um, I think, who could easily reduce their energy bills without it being deprivation or without hardship. Yes, and you do say, you understand, there are vulnerable people and there are older people and they do need the heat. And that is wholly understandable. But here, I have a crow to pick with you from the column. Like mother, like daughter. Oh, yeah, the telly. Tell them about that. Go on, tell them about your mum. Well, my mother uh, worked full time when we were growing up and nothing drove her more insane than coming home to a house full of children and teenagers who hadn't done their jobs because they'd been watching telly the whole time. Uh, now, I always wonder what we were watching because we weren't allowed to have the foreign channels and we only had RTE. But anyway, this drove <laughs> her mad. So she began, she'd take away the aerial off the telly, but we'd just stick a wire hanger in the back <laughs> and uh, watch it that way. Then she cut the plug off the telly and we put the wires straight into the, into the <laughs> socket. Then she locked the telly in a press, but we got the key, a uh, spare key, and took it out. So finally, one day, I'll never forget it, she lugged this massive telly out, put it in the boot of the car and drove off. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah. And I remember looking out the window thinking we were the most unfortunate oh, in Ireland. I love uh, it. But now, but it's inspired me because now when my kids are howling about their crazy mother taking the head off the shower, I go, no, she was right. And I'm right. So I've I've learned from her. I have learned from her. Oh, the ingenuity of children. You beat her at every turn, but finally she did what was necessary. She took it away from you. And I can only imagine the size of the telly at the time. The tellies are heavy in those days. Oh, yes. Hugely No, I don't know how she managed it. I feel bad about that. Sorry, (laughs) Mammy, for listening. No, Mammy, don't be sorry at all, Sarah. Between yourself and your mother, you've given us a wonderful laugh this Monday afternoon. And, of course, reading reading you earlier on in the weekend but look at uh, on a serious note with this as well you uh, put in this meter this night meter thing and it, that hasn't worked out for you yeah I was really annoyed about this and I know that people might be looking at this as a solution so you know every time you'd go on one of the retailers websites um, it would be advertising the night meter and that if you could switch using your appliances to night time you would get cheaper rates but that requires two things. First of all, you have to have major discipline to start using only the tumble dryer at night or only your dishwasher at night. Because if you forget and you switch it on during the day, you're charged a higher rate during the day. 
So I didn't have the discipline and my bills started going up. But when I inquired further about it, several experts told me, actually, if you're talking about normal household appliances, even if you are strict and only use those appliances at night, you still wouldn't get cheaper bills because of that higher daytime rate and that you need to be using something serious at nighttime. Now, what one of the experts said to me was, you'd need to be running a disco for actually <laughs> it to be worth your while. But some people have said if they've got an electric car and they're charging it at night, or some people have storage heating that might be on at night, and that might help. But really, it's not worth it. And what really annoyed me was, it's free to get the meter in. Mm. So it's easy to install this. But when I realized it wasn't working out for me and rang up to get it taken out, it's 200 euros to get it removed. So I thought that was awful. Like, if it's not clear that you're going to win on it, there should be some kind of charge to put it in. Or if it's free to put in, it should be free to take out. So I'd warn people off that. Um, uh, so what I'm doing is the, they're giving us 230 euros, I think, off the electricity bill this month. So I decided I'd invest that yes. and I got ESB Networks to remove the night meter. Now, one good thing is they've replaced it with one of these smart meters. And apparently they will allow you more control over your appliances. In fact, I'll be able to see even with greater detail what appliances are costing me money and have more control and discipline in the house. They'll all be going mad here with me. So if, and they said that 750,000 people have smart meters, but only 10% are actually using them. Mm. So if you do have a smart meter, it might be worth looking into to see can you find out what you're using and when. And that might help you manage your bills as well. There's a lot of people with smart meters who aren't taking advantage of them. Yes, and you know, that is a very good point to make and something we all need to take on board. And and, and, and just before, <coughs> excuse me, before we finish up, a couple of things. You are making the point. You know, everybody tends to turn to the government and say, help us, help us, we all need help, you've got to do more for us. You know, you've pointed that the government's big uh, job is to look at renewables and, and new ways of generating electricity, but they can't do everything for all of us. Yeah, exactly. Like, they can't come into um, our houses and tell us, you know, how to manage our appliances. You know, like individual, I hate, I, I was saying in the column as well, I hate saying the word we because it's assuming that you know something yes. about everybody. But, you know, people do have um, a lot of leeway. And actually, when it comes to the renewables as well, is there a responsibility on us not to go around objecting to all these renewable initiatives? Like people object to wind farms, they even object to solar farms. You know, we need a lot of new infrastructure, Jerry, and um, and if we object to things and bring them into judicial review and all that, all it's going to do is slow us up. So we've to prepare for a changed world. I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but mm. we have to accept change. We really do. Hi, Jerry. Isn't Sarah such a wonderful lady, says a listener. Everything she has said, I agree with. I sometimes have friends over to the house and it's hard to believe the toilet roll will be all wasted and a new one up. A toilet roll would do us for a week and I agree totally. Over showering <laughs> is not good for the body. Oh, there's a movement started today. I feel 
feel it. I feel it in me waters. I certainly do. And before we go, finally, the boys' negotiations have to take place. Give them the shower head. You will let them shower now oh, and then. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm not authoritarian. You know, <laughs> I am prepared to negotiate. Uh, I, I just need a good case for it. That's all. <laughs> You're training them well, I have to say. Sarah, always lovely to talk to you. I so appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me again. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Enjoy the rest of the day. You too. Sarah <laughs> Carey, reader in the Irish Independent. She's absolutely fantastic. She makes eminent sense. And I love that article when she, I could just see her going off with the electric shower head. Nobody knows but me. Not the case, I promise you. <laughs> I don't have a monopoly on knowledge. I love that song. Really is nice. Great to have you with us on Late Lunch this afternoon. No, you don't need to shower every day. I promise you, you do not need to have a shower every day of the week. Believe you me, you won't smell, honestly. Top and tail, as Sarah Carey was saying there, do the important bits every other day and shower in between and there won't be a bother on you, to be honest with you. That thing is showering every day. Well, have you viewed it? Do you shower every day? Do you shower infrequently? How do you look after your hygiene? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text gets directly to me here in studio on the show. What about the news breaking today? Nightclubs to open till 6am. I'd say Brian Farley and the boys are happy they're not doing nightclubs now. 6am in the morning? Are you joking me? 6am? Have you not enough till 2 o'clock in the morning and a bit of old grub afterwards or something? 6am? I suppose it's aimed primarily at the tourist market, is it? And the big smoke and places like that staying open all night. What do you think? 6am in a nightclub? I'm sure if you're young and hearty and healthy and the world's your lobster it's great news for you but anyway there you go legislation uh, will be brought forward in the coming weeks by Helen McEntee and there will be 6am opening in nightclubs here in Ireland uh, Hiya Jerry. it's too early for Swallows and Swifts they don't really return until May well I can tell you this for nothing uh, and I suppose I'm talking about House Martins here uh, we've seen Swallows out fishing in March arrive, round about the 26th, 27th of March, Martins, I'm not saying Swallows, House Martins arrive at that time, genuinely over a number of years. The only difficulty is, and we've talked about it before, there's not enough fly life in the air. Temperatures are low to sustain them when they arrive. That's the difficulty and a lot will perish. But we've seen Martins arrive as early as that time of the year. What are we in? The 4th of April today. I'd say there's a few knocking about and probably more south in the country I'd say they've seen them at this stage but if you've seen any of our feathered friends from Africa do let me know 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text somebody thinks we're a little bit early with them uh, and you know they do come in over the coming weeks in greater numbers for sure they're well here by May time I'd say anyway Um read a lovely letter in the Irish Times over the weekend there's a bit of to toing and froing going on in the newspaper in the letters column about old cars bangers in fact right bangers they've been talking about and the letters have been tic-tacking and I'm enjoying them but a couple of them caught me attention the weekend I have to read they're only short I'll, I'll, I'll read them for you the first one said in the 1970s I suffered the ownership of a Morris Marina I remember them a Morris Marina queer looking car for two years marked by multiple breakdowns and a constant aroma of noxious exhaust gases I traded with a talented carpenter 
for his crafting of a bed for me. The bed was worth 30 euros. So he swapped the car for a bed. Shortly afterwards, he was in touch to tell me that he'd repurposed the car as a chicken coop. I think that's a good, a good option for a Morris Marina from the 70s, a chicken coop. But this one really caught my attention. It was a guy called Terry Patterson from Glenageary in Dublin. He says, read the recent correspondence. has been ongoing in the paper about old cars. I believe I can speak with some authority. I have an old Triumph TR. Oh, now you're talking. A Triumph TR, which I bought for £250 in 1972. It was my sole means of transport for 30 years. That's 82, 92, 2002. And since I retired, it has grown older along with me. Ah, good on you, Terry. Still has the car. I must say that there are remarkable parallels between its ageing process and mine. The car is noisy, grumpy, unreliable, hard to get going in the mornings, thirsty, expensive to maintain and quite likely to let you down. And yet I can't imagine me or my family having as much affection for a bicycle. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Isn't that just, yes, the parallel between the car and Terry. I... Feel your words, Terry. I understand them. Hi, Jerry, says another listener. My son, who is uh, 17, he's gym mad. Jerry, he takes a shower twice a day. Try to tell him he's losing all the oils in his skin. But I'm only his mother, Jerry. What would I know? Hey, boy, listen to you, ma'am. Your mother knows. Twice a day. Come off it. Holy God Almighty. Showering twice a day. Never, 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 never. I don't shower every day. I have to tell you that. No way do I shower every day. Don't need to. And I don't stink and I don't smell. I promise you that. Louise isn't with me today. We'll have to verify with that with her tomorrow. But Brian Farley's here and he's quite happy with me today, to be honest with you. Anyway, you don't need to. That That, that is a fact. And it does. I, I, I would agree with that. I'd go along with that there. The natural oils and that in your skin. You must be just scrubbing them away. Twice a day, Sharon. Anybody else shower twice a day? Once a week. Once a fortnight. Once a month. (laughs) And now I'm pushing the boat out. No, no, no. Don't go there. There wouldn't be anybody you'd only shower once a week, would there? Once a fortnight. (laughs) Once a month. (laughs) Holy St. Christopher. Keep your comments coming to me on this uh, showering Monday afternoon and late lunch. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I always love to hear from you on the show. Coming shortly on late lunch, Fiona Buckley. She's a work behaviourist and she's going to talk to us uh, about the situation. If you're working with a a toxic colleague in work, how do you... Work that out. How how does it work out? What do you do? She's with us shortly on late lunch, and don't forget. A little bit later, I have my soundtrack, and I'll tell you how I picked it this week. It's a lovely one, but just by chance, the weekend it turned me in this movie's direction. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Back with Fiona in a moment. I think it's a joke, Jerry, about nightclubs opening till six a.m. Jerry, they're open till three o'clock in the morning anyway. And I can tell you from experience, it means no work the next day. Well, Jesus, it was six o'clock. That certainly mean no work anyway, unless you were a night shift or something. And what's more, Jerry, as a mother, up all night picking them up. 
you're worse yourself picking them up, I have to say to you. And I know the worry that goes along with that as well. You know, wondering, are they all right, etc. Picking them up. <clears throat> well, I, I think that's a difficulty. Brian just mentioned me, Brian Farley, off air there a few moments ago. He's an experienced man in the whole area of, of, of nightclubs. He's a DJ and that and has been in the past. He says the problem is now, Jerry, getting home after you're out and about. And that is so true. Getting home, getting, how do you get home after a night out as well? And perhaps that's why, in fairness to you, you talk about uh, mums and dads having to go out and stay up and worry about them and pick them up as well. I'll come back to it. Uh, there's more messages coming to me. Uh, keep them coming if you've anything to say on late lunch this afternoon. I always love to hear from you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text directly to me here in studio on your late lunch. Now we move on on the show this afternoon and she's one of our regulars on late lunch. She's a fantastic woman, award winning. Her speciality is work behaviour. Yes, she's a work behaviourist. I'm delighted to say hello again to Fiona Buck. Well, we're going to have a chat today about toxicity at work. What, maybe for listeners today, how do you describe a toxic work colleague? Yeah, and it's one of these awkward subjects, isn't it, Jerry? That like when you have a colleague that's toxic, it's a hard label to put on him. So let me kind of demystify it a little bit because working with this kind of toxic colleague can be really frustrating. And it's essential to understand how this affects you. And it's really crucial to find ways to kind of handle a situation where you've got that toxic work colleagues, because the consequences can be really detrimental to your career and personal life. And I've seen this over the years, how it can cause a lot of stress for people. And, you know, toxic people in work often make unreasonable requests or will often overreact to simple mistakes in a team setting. And this can be really uncomfortable. And let's be honest, it's been easier, much easier to escape these in a remote or virtual environment. But now that most of us are making that transition back to the physical office, these issues can become a lot more compounded. So like sample kind of traits or behaviors of a toxic coworker can be kind of rude or disrespectful behavior, kind of using that negative body language like tutting or eye rolling when someone says something. They can often be quite confrontational, aggressive or even passive aggressive. So the use of kind of negative sarcasm in work or putting people down. Other things that they kind of might be behave this way, they could be blame others perhaps for their mistakes. They tend to never blame themselves. They can often be kind of, you know, be, be a bit greedy or never kind of happy or never satisfied. And they can kind of display themselves as knowing everything, but actually having very little substance behind it. The last couple of points I'll make here is they they can frequently, um, you know, try and ridicule other team members or use negative language. But the hallmark behavior of someone who's toxic is negativity. They're negative from the moment they get in to the to the moment they leave. Really negative. And the, the, what about the area of demotivation? You know, somebody that you work with, maybe that ties in with negativity that just sucks the air out of the room. Yeah, I often call them energy hoovers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can actually visualize them sucking the living energy. And it, it can be really difficult, Jerry. Like if you're having a good day and you're really positive and you're looking forward to your day and then you bump into someone in the corridor who literally uh, is that energy hoover, it can be really hard and it can be a massive demotivator on you unless you start kind of building a boundary around that person. And we can chat about that in a moment about you know, some practical techniques, because let's face it, this this type of worker, there is a percentage in every organisation. It's just human dynamics. Does bullying enter the equation or does all them combined, you know, um, sum up to bullying? 
Well, bullying is such a diverse area, and I think we should definitely chat about that on another show. Yes. Deserves its own segment, but there's so many variables that can wrap around that bullying thing. But sometimes a toxic coworker mm. can resort to bullying type behavior because they don't have the regular coping mechanisms that the rest of us have. And then they have to resort to that bullying behavior. And often with bullying, there's a lack of confidence or a lack of happiness that exists behind that. Okay, we'll come back to that and park it for another day. But just when you mentioned all those there, I was just thinking to myself, some of them certainly can feed into it, but we'll deal with that as a topic on another day. Here's a question for you. You know, all you mentioned there, those traits, and thanks for pointing them all out, because they're fairly all-encompassing, and I'm sure people have come across one, two, or maybe more of them in different individuals. Should we, as, uh, you know, co-workers or whatever, you know, take this on ourselves and try to put the situation right with the person concerned. And I, I, I've been asked this question so many times, Jerry, over the years is, do we have the responsibility? Like we cannot change somebody else's behavior. We are not trained kind of counsellors or psychotherapists or coaches in the organisation. So sometimes we have to build that boundary to say we can't get involved now, obviously, it depends on who the person is, their relationship with you, how integral they are to your team. But sometimes the, the strategy is to actually park it and avoid it. And then in other cases, we may have to have a conversation with them. But it's not our responsibility to help them deal with these kind of issues because a toxic work colleague has so much things under the kind of iceberg effect of what's going on, we wouldn't be simply qualified to deal with those things. They need to actually talk to sometimes a professional coach or something like that to really help them weed through what is the root cause analysis of what's really going on. Because a toxic work colleague doesn't just become toxic overnight. These are things that come compounded over time. It could be them being bypassed for promotion continually in the workplace. It could be, you know, they could have a a kind of very ineffective manager or they could be just there that long that they don't agree with the direction of the company and them anymore and they get really kind of resistant. So there's so many different types of variables that can impact as to why someone kind of resorts to that toxic behavior. It can be very much driven from them internally or it can be part of an external issue in the company. But it's not our responsibility to change someone else. We do have the responsibility to change our reaction and our behavior to them, though. So take us down uh, the road of those uh, tips and techniques that you would say to somebody today to deal with somebody who they feel is toxic in their work environment. Yeah, and it's not a one size fits all for sure. This is a very complex area, but some practical tips that may help in in this instance is the first thing is to learn about their behavior, because remember, the more we know about a person, the more info we have to deal with that person, the better we are to deal with them. So, for example, if you have a toxic work colleague that, you know, is not a morning person and there's many people that aren't morning people and that's actually a real thing. So, you know, that best to try and avoid them, at least in the morning, if you know they're kind of always that kind of grumpy kind of person in the morning. So the more we know about them, the more we can use that information to deal with them. The second thing I'd say is try to understand, if possible, what's potentially going on with them. Now, that's not negating against what I previously said about it's not a responsibility. Mm. But there's a concept I called flip it to test it, where you use empathy and you, you talk about how you can potentially flip it to test it, basically. So what is going on with them that you might be able to flip your language or flip with how you deal with them that might kind of, de- kind of take the steam out of a conversation? The third thing, 
and this is really important, is develop your own coping mechanisms. So you can't control their actions or reactions, but how you respond to their behavior is always 100% in your control and it's always your choice. So for example, if they ask you to go to lunch and you keep saying yes and later resent it, that's down to you, isn't it? Now, I know that's easier said than done because if someone's kind of <laughs> lurking over your yes. office asking yes. you to go to lunch, it can be really hard. But again, having that excuse, if you don't want to go for lunch with them, to actually say, thank you for uh, asking me for lunch, but unfortunately, I'm really busy with the deadline today. And have that line ready to, de- to, to kind of deploy when you need to. The fourth one, I'd say, is an avoidance strategy. And this isn't necessarily uh, copping out of the situation, but avoid engaging with them unnecessarily. And, you know, the virtual landscape has allowed us to do that that little bit more. But sometimes the strategy is avoidance if you don't have to, you know, deal with them all of the time. The fifth one, and pardon the the kind of phrase on this one, Jerry, but don't feed the beast is a technique we call Mm -hmm. it, right? Now, I'm not calling these people beasts, but it's a technique we say don't feed into it because negative people or toxic people are dying for you to agree with them. They're dying for you to say, oh, yes, I absolutely agree. This is a terrible place to work, etc." So when we're not feeding into it, they have very little places to go with it. And by you modeling a positive presence, you can reduce maybe that harmful effects of that toxic coworker on everybody else. The last tip I'd say, and only if appropriate, is flag it to your to your own manager. And they probably may have noticed it anyway, but just so they know what's going on in that particular department. And, you know, if this was an issue pre-COVID, it's compounded now that we're coming back after COVID because those relationships or those nuances with the relationships still exist and could actually be worse. Actually, you know, it's funny, I've heard a number of people say that they dread going back because of what we're talking about today, that they've had a couple of years of being away from it, uh, you know, on a, a toxic situation and now going back into the into it really does phase them big time. So you're on the money about what you're talking about today. Two things before we finish, as I listen to you, you say flag the manager. What's the story if it's your manager or leader that's toxic? I know. And, you know, the the fact is one in two people are still leaving jobs because of their manager. Now, maybe the manager isn't toxic, but they just might be ineffective or there's no respect there for the manager. So if you have a manager that, you know, maybe even slightly toxic or it could be just a negative relationship, maybe outside that toxicity is it's really important that you build a support network around you in work outside of your manager. And that means building a relationship perhaps with your manager's manager or dotted line managers, stronger connections to colleagues, and making sure you have some sort of sponsor or advocate outside of your immediate manager. I mean, managers have such a big impact and all of their behaviors and feedback to you and any interactions have such a big ripple effect to you. So again, with this, it's probably a case of learning to manage your manager as best you can. And I think securing a coach or a mentor can really help people here because it's a very sensitive issue when the manager is the problem. You need to talk this out with someone. Don't try and sort it all out yourself. And the key piece of advice I would leave with this one is what elements do you just have to accept And then what is just not acceptable for you? What are your non-negotiables here? Because if certain behaviours from a manager are just not acceptable, that ultimately can leave you with this big decision to make. And ultimately, if it's embedded in the organisational culture as a whole, I'm sure you've come across this in your uh, work. Uh, What do you do then? Get out. Oh, well, that's where I need the magic wand, (laughs) Jerry. Um, That's where it's... (laughs) 
much more complex and that you know and often when you're kind of going for an interview to a place you might ask them can you describe the culture of the organization and it's probably sometimes very hard to put an answer to that then you come into the organization and you might see it's fundamentally different from how it was described so if a culture that is quite toxic or quite negative and not very positive is very against how you behave and how you are, ultimately, that place is probably not going to be the right fit for you because your values are very out of sync with the way they do business. And culture is how we work. It's the way we work. It's how we interact with each other. All of those things that become incredibly important on a day to day basis. One individual cannot change a culture and uh, even culture itself can take years to change. So that's where that individual, again, has to decide what elements do they just have to accept and what's not acceptable. And if it's very deeply ingrained in the organization that is not in line with what that individual wants, the result may be to leave. And I hate to say it, but that's the obvious answer. Mm, mm, There's no other way. Plenty to chew and mull over there in what you've said today and encouragement to say that, you know, there are means and ways of dealing with this. All is not lost ever, Fiona. Never. (laughs) <laughs> never, never. <laughs> never ever and that's a nice way to leave it on today thank you so much really enjoy our conversations thanks Jerry. take care talk to you soon bye bye Fiona Buckley there work behaviourist fionabuckley.com check her out and she'll be back with us of course anon plenty of issues always to talk about when it comes to working life hi Jerry. love your comments keep them coming uh, always love to hear from you on late lunch hi Jerry. if someone showers two times a day and is particular about himself he will change his clothes twice a day too which is 14 changes a week for his mother mother to wash without anyone else's clothes says Christy <laughs> that's if you have a mother good enough to wash them he might be even having to wash them himself to be honest with you Christy but I hear what you're saying it is an awful lot of uh, clothes if you're doing that two showers a day on another note says Mary Jerry, I have a son who works making fire lighters he has to shower every day because he smells Mary I understand that and the smell of the firelight is, my God almighty, you would have to wash yourself uh, once a day. And that's really understandable. And people in certain jobs, for sure. But when you're like me, when you don't do a lot of physical activity with your work, a lot going on up here, all right, in the old gown, but not physically. Well, you know, every day, I don't think so. I really don't think so. Uh, Rose has sent me in the most beautiful picture by WhatsApp of primroses in full bloom. And she says, hi, Jerry, isn't nature just magical? Rose, it is the greatest magic on this planet. It really is wonderful. Uh, and we can't explain it. It just happens. Nature, wonderful. Here's another one on the swallows and swifts and martins matter, but especially the swallows. Uh, Jerry, on another note, I just want to say this. Conditions need to be right in Africa for the birds to migrate, as they don't know what it's like in Ireland. Like I say, it's where they migrate from that dictates when they leave. <clears throat> That's a very interesting take. And one I haven't heard before, uh, but one I'm certainly going to take up with Niall Hatch from Birdwatch when he joins us next. He'll be with us shortly, he joins us now on a monthly basis and talks about our feathered friends and migration uh, will be the next big one. Our friends arriving from Africa and I'll put that to him. Thank you indeed for uh, taking time to write that comment and, and send it in to me. Keep them coming to the usual numbers. Love to hear from you. Oh, Eddie, Eddie Caffrey coming up after late lunch, just popped his head in there. He was listening to us earlier on and said he certainly spotted a visitor from Africa last 
last Thursday in the Toher area of County Loud. Good on you, Eddie. There you are. They say one swallow doesn't make a summer, but it's great to hear that one has been spotted at least here in the northeast. Delighted he let me know that one. I'm sure there are more knocking about as well. Stragglers at the moment, early doors for sure as they arrive into Ireland to spend their summers here. Also out that direction in Clower Headway, delighted to say hello to Porrick Rat this afternoon. Hope you're enjoying your retirement, Porrick. He's been in touch to remind us uh, that uh, the drive-in bingo at Dreadnoughts is back on Easter Monday the 18th of April at half past seven. More about that and on, but it is back for the Dreadnought supporting the club there on Easter Monday. Now, my soundtrack this week, well, let's get straight to business. My soundtrack this week is the jazz singer. I mentioned Neil Diamond on the run into News at Three was the clue. The movie was originally made in 1927 by Warner Brothers and it starred the legendary Al Jolson. And it was the movie, this is history, it really was, that brought the curtain down on the silent film era and heralded the beginning of talkies. Yes, before there was talking movies, they were silent, of course. But this was the definitive movie, Jazz Singer, 1927. The movie is based on a story called The Day of Atonement by Samson Raphaelson. Uh, that was the genesis of the whole uh, movie. It was adapted for stage and then brought to the silver screen. Three subsequent remakes have happened since. Um, 1952, starring Peggy Lee and Danny Thomas. Then a 1959 TV remake uh, with Jerry Lewis heading the bill, the famous Jerry Lewis, and my featured version all this week from 1980, starring Neil Diamond, Lucy Arnaz and Laurence Olivier. Why this one? I was telling you that I hadn't it on my mind at all until I was watching Neil Diamond live at the BBC at the weekend. Fantastic show. And it just brought the movie to mind. And that's why I'm featuring it this week. The 1980 version saw Diamond make his acting debut as the wannabe pop star who is really torn between his family's religious beliefs and stardom. He wants to be a pop star. Released on December 19, 1980, it was panned by the critics and commercially didn't do as well as expected, although it doubled its $13 million budget in box office takings. However, the soundtrack was lauded because... Of songs hello like this. Again, hello. Just called to say hello. Ah, oh, what a voice. Mr. Neil Diamond. You're going to hear him all this week, this time on Late Lunch, from my featured movie soundtrack, The Jazz Singer. Yes, the movie did okay, but the soundtrack, one of the best-selling of all time in movie soundtrack history and Neil Diamond's most successful album ever too. More about it in words and song at this time tomorrow. After a final break this Monday afternoon, we're tipping over to Chicago where we'll be joined by Maria O'Reardon. The UN designates just seven days annually to health awareness and one of those days happened on Saturday last It's World Autism Awareness Day and there were big celebrations in New York and we were represented there 
locally because uh, someone who I've interviewed on this show on a number of occasions in the past, Maria Reardon, she's the Global Director of Public Relations at EML and of course they have a big operation outside Navin, was there and she's on the line today from Chicago. Afternoon, Marie. Good morning from Chicago, Jerry. Yes, I think I've got an excuse for not filling in the census form last night at home because I was on a flight between New York and Chicago. Do you think I'll get away with it? I think you will. You'll be on the absent uh, person section of the census form. Don't worry, I'm sure you're looked after one way or the other. Well, listen, tell us why were you in New York for Saturday and what happened? Yeah, I think it's it's hugely important. We've had many conversations in the past, as you know, about autism awareness. Um, I've been on the phone the last time I was on with you because it was COVID. Prior to that, I was actually in studio with you for about a half mm. an hour, remember, mm. before, before yes. the lockdowns and everything, speaking about awareness. I think it's hugely important to, to network at a high level. Um, at this event um, at the Guggenheim at the weekend, I was able to, to sit down and have conversations with, with diplomats, with UN leaders, with retired UN leaders, with change makers. Um, and I think that's that's where, you know, what they're networking and what they're hearing on the ground, I think that can help to make change. I'll give you an example. There was a uh, an international disability um, campaigner. We became friends about seven years ago. She's based in New York. Um, and she goes to the, the likes of the World Economic Forum in Davos. Uh, and because of her last trip to the World Economic Forum, that's the reason that airlines now are deafness friendly. Um, and also when you see induction loop in train stations and taxis and airports around the world, she got that done um, through government networking. So it's hugely important to have these conversations, Jerry. Um, and look, at, uh, the, the Irish are very well received. I've, I've had an absolutely um, fantastic welcome here in America. Um, and I'm going to continue that, that networking uh, over the next few days. Um, here in Chicago, even with family, there's, there's a, a beautiful family member we, we have um, who has uh, autism. Um, she, she doesn't speak. She, she's nonverbal. Um, and, 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 you know, there, there definitely is, is, is autism in, in my family mm. um, and I'm autistic myself. So, so I, I actually fly back to New York on Wednesday uh, for some more meetings and I fly back, uh, fly back home on Thursday, landing back on, on Friday. So I think, I think just, just the awareness and the understanding and like, Jerry, you know, like I'm, I'm 46 now. I've lived with autism my entire life, but I've seen massive change even in the past couple of years on uh, on awareness when it comes to autism and how to help children and adults and, and especially with getting to the early intervention as quickly as possible. Yes, and you know, you are an example. Uh, you really are and someone to look up to who's achieved so much in, in your life because they, I, I read it and you, you're quoted saying this that it's estimated that 85% of people who are autistic or live with it are underutilised, underemployed, don't get to, you know, uh, deliver their full capabilities. Do you know what? It's it's actually a scary statistic, mm. and, and I feel very fortunate, especially with EML, that you know they're not afraid to hire an autistic. They're not afraid to hire someone who's neurodiverse. They embrace that difference. But the fact is, worldwide, um, Jerry, that only fifteen percent of us mm. autistics are in a job mm. where we can uh, afford to to support ourselves. Yes, it's it, it's shocking that eighty five percent of autistics around the world um, don't have don't have work. Mm. Um, and, and, and this has to change. And I think awareness uh, um, and encouraging the corporate world um, 
to change and, and, and embrace us. All we want is a chance, Jerry. We work really hard. We love working with people. There's an awful lot of, of misconception and stigma and taboo around autism, but we're well capable uh, when we can of, of, of thriving in the workplace and co- yes. thriving in a corporate mm. environment like, like we have in, in, in Trim with, with EML. Mm, I've been lucky to visit the Guggenheim myself when I've been in New York. It's a wonderful place, but w- what happened there on Saturday was extra special and especially because of the link with uh, Vasily uh, Kandinsky, uh, the, the pioneering Russian uh, abstract artist. And you know, I think this is a real irony, uh, Marie, that he was central to the theme. <clears throat> Born in Moscow, <clears throat> spent his childhood in Odessa, Odessa, may I say, in the Ukraine. The irony of that with what's going on at the moment, Marie. Do you know, it's unbelievable. Um, And with the the changemaker, Janice Lintz, that I spent half a day with before the Guggenheim on Saturday, the the woman uh, from the World Economic Forum, um, we actually walked past just off Fifth Avenue there. We we, we walked past the the Ukraine Cultural Centre here uh, in in New York. Mm. And the flags were up on on, on the sidewalk, stand with Ukraine. And I was was honoured to take pictures of that and uh, and to share that with with my social network. You know, it's it's, 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 it's unbelievable what's, what's happening at the moment. Uh, I feel very proud of, of, you know, like the staff, uh, an email, I know they don't want the publicity, but like we do have a, a staff member who's taken in half a dozen Ukrainian refugees in Ireland, you know, and doesn't want yeah. any recognition or publicity on that, so I won't say any more. Um, and like my next door neighbour at home has taken in two Ukrainian refugees and a baby puppy all the way to Kiev, you know. Yes. And, and we're so we're so delighted in, in the neighbourhood and in the community um, that, that we can just help in, 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 in some way, right? So, so you're right, so Vasily uh, Kandinsky, it, it's speculated, Jerry, that, that this great artist, one of my, my favourites in my life, uh, lived lived on the autism spectrum. <clears throat> Speculated he was um, yes autistic. Excuse me, and um, it, it was great to tie in the autism event themed on his work. Right, yeah. so it was beautiful here with the uh, America's Autis- Autism Hearts Foundation. They had child artists and teenage artists and young adult um, artists, and Jerry the the magnitude of the majesty of the art these autistic children are, and people are able to create was absolutely mind-blowing. There mm. were so many wow moments at the event and I felt that, you know, the world-famous Guggenheim Museum uh, on Fifth Avenue was a befitting yes. um, stage for, for, for these young people to display their incredible talent, right? Mm. Um, and, and yeah, it, it was just an honour to be surrounded by you know, like-minded people yeah. who understand you don't have to explain yourself. Mm. Um, and, and it's like, you know, people say, oh, but, but you're high-functioning. But, but that's the thing, Jerry. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I, I've had my own struggles with autism since I was born. As you know, I was a late walker, a late talker. Um, and thankfully, when I eventually did figure out how to speak and be able to move my jaw, um, I never shut up. And yeah. it's, it's fantastic <laughs> to think the irony. But the irony is, right, I, you know, I didn't walk properly. I didn't talk I was a late talker. Um, but the irony is that, that, that I, I've worked in communications my whole life. Um, and, I, 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 you know, the, the irony doesn't escape me. And I feel I have a responsibility because I did talk. Yes. And there's a family member here who, who is nonverbal autistic. Um, I feel like, you know, I'm on a mission to raise awareness 
Because I can speak on yes. behalf of the autistic. Oh, good mm-hmm. on you. Listen, good on you, Marie. And I have to stop you speaking now because time is going to beat us. Lovely to touch <laughs> base with you. Enjoy the rest of your trip. And we will be talking, I'm sure, down the road. Thanks for joining me. Thanks a million. Take, Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Maria Reardon there from EML. Uh, fantastic company supporting autism and much more besides. Tomorrow on Late Lunch... Frank McNamara, the musician, about his financial woes and more besides. Nikki Kyle's in the garden and we have your two on Tuesday and a lot more to add to that before. We're on air at 1.30 tomorrow and late lunch. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. We leave you today in the company of Tom Grennan. And as I say, a big thank you to Brian Farley for looking after me this afternoon. Thanks, Brian. I've been holding on to pieces Swimming in the deep end Trying to find my way back to you Cause I need a little bit of love The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johanna Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.